This is 1969 by Alex Dimitrov. The summer everyone left for the moon, even those yet to be born, and the dead who can't vacation here but met us all there by the veil between worlds. The number one song in America was in the year 2525, because who has ever lived in the present when there's so much of the future to continue without us? How the best lover won't need to forgive you and surely take everything off your hands without having to ask, without knowing your name, no matter the number of times you married or didn't, your favorite midnight movie, the cigarettes you couldn't give up, wanting to kiss other people you shouldn't, and now to forever be kissed by the earth, in the earth, with the earth, when we all briefly left it to look back on each other from above, shocked by how bright even our pain is, running wildly beside us like an underground river. And whatever language is good for, a sign, a message left up there that reads, here men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969 AD. We came in peace for all mankind, then returned to continue the war. I'm Alex. And I'm Dorothea. And this is the Astro Poets Podcast. It is. And today we are going to be talking about the moon, the moon's gay icon status, how many times we've landed on the moon, if we've landed on the moon, <laughs> really what moon signs are, um, because a lot of people ask what moon signs are. Um, and just in general, the moon's relationship to creativity and making things, uh, whether that's poems or painting. I know like both of us have really deep feelings about the moon. Yeah, and I think the moon is something that I think all of us think about. It's like this image that's in our imagination. and Well, it's it is a, up there, too. It is or it is not. Some people True. may or may not believe that. Um, but What? <laughs> Wait a minute. You don't think it's up there? I, I do think it's up there, but I'm just acknowledging that some people don't think that it's up there. That is like a thing. I would love to meet those people. <laughs> I've never met them, but I have watched their you know movies on the internet. Um, like on YouTube? Yeah, like their explanations. And okay, stuff. let's assume it's there. Okay, let's yeah, let's not assume anything. <laughs> but the moon, <laughs> but the moon is really interesting to us as poets also because there's so many poems that have the moon in it. So much so that sometimes people might even say, "Oh, it's a cliche to have a moon," uh, you know, in your poem. But, totally. But you chose to um, have a moon, you know, in your poem and write this poem that we just heard to start um, this show. And so I wonder you know why you chose to do that what what fascinated you about um, the moon landing in 1969 that you wanted to write a poem about it there are a lot of things that fascinate me about the moon one reason why I wanted to write that poem is mostly to think about what was happening culturally um, in 1969 in America and how our anxieties and desires are related to the moon, which is why I think that the Apollo mission sort of started. And I'm really glad we're talking about the moon today and talking about the moon's relationship to creativity 
and to just um, all of our psyches in general um, and what moon signs are. I know people always want to know what moon signs are. And I know that we strongly believe that moon signs are maybe even more important than sun signs. I really think that because I think when you kind of strip away a lot about the personality, like to understand someone's id is to understand them. That might be We're getting Freudian now. Yeah. Someone's id. Yeah. That might be a controversial belief because people, you know, think that an id is fixed and there's no opportunity to grow but um but i i really think that once you know someone's moon sign you really know the person absolutely it's interesting you always say that the moon sign is when you're having a bad day or when you're stripped away from like your performance it really is who you are i'm having a horrible day today <laughs> and it's really interesting to me because that's so true i'm not acting like a sag in any way i just feel very needy and like vulnerable and i like want to have like a breakdown and cry i have on pisces moon <laughs> and i never ever do that um under any other anxiety but mm-hmm. like when i'm completely overwhelmed and like i don't have to perform in front of anyone like i just came to the studio like in a cab because I couldn't handle being in a in a train with a bunch of people because I was literally had to cry by myself. Um, so I'm just saying everybody when you're really upset like when you're like at your zero that's sort of your moon the way you operate is your moon and i think your moon sign comes out in other ways like when you're having a good day like when you're really happy your pisces moon does come out totally i th- yeah i, I cuz you're very loving and you know telling everyone how much they mean yes, to you which yeah. isn't very sad yeah 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 that's not very sad yeah <laughs> So we're going to start by talking about my poem 1969, which is sort of loosely about the moon. Um, And then we're going to talk about moon signs um, and what they mean. And then we're going to end on um, another sort of version of Dorothy and Alex disagree, which um, we disagree quite often. But this is a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Definitely. Okay, so let's talk about your beautiful... <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Why? I'm just trying to create a little levity. Yeah, yeah, we need that. We need yeah. that. That's true. Um, okay, so yeah, let's, you know, so this poem, you wrote this poem, um, and it's a lot about the moon landing, the first, you know, moon landing. I'm doing air quotes, but people can't see it. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, just wanting to know, um, you know, why you, what motivated you to write that poem? Yeah, I don't really know what motivated me to write it, honestly. Um, I think I was feeling a kind of deep anxiety about my life when I wrote it. When I when I read it once with you, actually, at the New York Public Library when we were doing a reading, this older gentleman said to me, how could you write a poem about 1969? Like, when were you even born? Okay, so I was born in 1984. Well, nice um, that he thinks that you weren't born in 1969. Well, that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could take it as a compliment. I just got very bitchy back. Yeah, I'm like yeah, such yeah, a sag. Yeah. I'm like classic, like, well, listen here. Yeah. But anyhow, I was sort of like, well, it's art, so I can write about whatever I want to. But I think I wrote it because I was feeling deeply anxious about actually my own life and what I was doing. I had just quit my full-time job that I had for eight years and I made this connection I mean this is the great thing about poetry right everything is a metaphor we put one thing on the left and one thing on the right and they don't have to they don't have to be like each other at all to be together and so my anxiety sort of paralleled I think the year 1969 and the fact that all of these people were getting shot MLK um, RFK um, or had gotten shot previously and then we were going to 
the moon. And we were still in this like very tenuous relationship with the USSR. And just American culture seemed to be at like this strange breaking point. And it also seemed a bizarre thing that we were landing on the moon or wanting to do that at a time when all of these social upheavals were happening. So I was just trying to sort of think about how that's related to my own personal anxiety and also just the anxiety of being a person. Mm-hmm. And I love the way you ended the poem. You know, like you have all this about the moon landing yeah. and then it's, you know, it kind of ends not, I don't want to say abruptly, but yeah. it kind of just represents maybe a, that period where then things sort of just quickly transition to like normal life which sadly was like a war time or something totally so uh, you know was there anything you were thinking when you wrote that last line or when you turned it Mm -hmm. that way like is it you know maybe representing your own life or or just thinking about the moon since this is our moon episode you know how people access the moon but then move on the moon is like in our everyday but we can have it be part of our everyday and then um, just kind of go about our own pettier small, you know, business. That's exactly what I was thinking, actually, because, well, obviously there's the actual war that's happening in the country, which is the Vietnam War, Mm -hmm. but also people weren't really seeing that war until very late. So I was also thinking about that, the fact that there was this huge war happening. The American public wasn't aware until very late. Um, And then these astronauts were on the moon. um, And just the strange reality that we could be killing all of these people, like, in this country and, like, be on the moon, it seemed bizarre. It seemed like, why are we on the moon? What is the purpose of all of this? And that's interesting, too, because, um, you know, the moon landing was something that was televised. Yes, as a big event. Yeah, as a big event that people could have this broadcast of the moon landing that supposedly could occur with no issues. But yet, yes, there wasn't like televised, you know, um, reports of the war with really brutal imagery that wasn't going into people's houses. But yet the government was totally fine with us seeing, you know, the moon, and so obviously had the capacity and way to broadcast imagery, but didn't, you know, want to tell us about other things. And yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think that this is, we're going to get into this later, but, I mean, the U.S. government has always used propaganda so skillfully, and I think that that, whether or not you believe it happened, is this great event of basically just uh, like um, this example of big dick energy that the America has always done well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lizzo. (laughs) Taurus. Uh, um, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, because it's true, like, throughout time, governments have always had propaganda to make their country seem really mighty and tough. And it's interesting that our thing that we constantly reference was this moon landing, you know, like, we're colonizing something that's, like, an abstraction. An abstraction may that, or may that not, is mysterious. May or may not exist, and but yet we have to conquer it and prove to everyone we're the only ones that can conquer it. Well, that's the thing that's always been fascinating to me about the moon, is that its relationship to us as people, like, on Earth— In some ways, you either believe that it doesn't matter at all or you believe that it, like, really matters. Mm -hmm. And I think that the fact that it is an abstraction that we went after with so much money and with, like, so much um, theatrics in 1969 really shows uh, our just, like, existential despair almost as a country. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we weren't, like, taking care of, like, people. I mean, we didn't have universal health care then either. We were killing people overseas. And yet we were like, let's go to the moon, you know, Mm -hmm. like. 
somehow the moon was supposed to bring us together. And I guess it did. Um, but that's why the poem is sort of bittersweet. Yeah, I just totally, you know, agree with you, which is why I have, you know, certain ideas about the moon landing or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, just interesting that the moon has all this baggage on it now. Yeah. You know? And I mean, it makes sense why the moon is fascinating to both of us and to all poets, because the moon literally is like this psychic existential mm-hmm. energy. And it's now something which supposedly there is an American flag on, you know, that like we've like set our our like tag, you know, like the yeah. way even, you know, like little kids, like um, I have little kids. So like I, put, like their name, I put their name on their clothes, you know, because mm-hmm. then it will get stolen or whatever. So it's just the same kind of thing of we put our name on it and show like that we own it and that we possess this like celestial body. And there's just something very, very odd about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that our episode is going to talk more about, like, our spiritual and creative connection to the moon. And, like, we don't like the government's relationship to the moon. Or I don't. Yeah, I I, I, I totally agree. But, I, yeah, of course. Yeah, but, I don't like but it But isn't it funny how we all have a relationship to the moon? Some we of us do. have an exchange that's, like, economic, Everyone. theatrical, propaganda. Like, all of us do. Yeah, and we have just one. We're one of the planets that just has one moon. So supposedly. That's, supposedly, right. But I'm uh, just yeah. saying, like, Jupiter has a ton. Doesn't <laughs> right. Jupiter have something like 69 moons? We should look that up. But 70 I think something. it is something like 69. NASA okay. says that Jupiter has 79 confirmed moons. So that's like 78 more than us. Yeah, Imagine the anxiety if we had 79 moons. It has 53 name moons and 26 awaiting official names. Which, by the way, we're we available name. to name those. We are available yeah, to name 26. Jupiter's moons. Yeah, letters in the alphabet, we've got more than 26 names on the ready. It's we sure do. Call us, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I think Astropos should collaborate with NASA, but... I do, too. I'm not sure they would want us after yeah. this episode. They're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about moon signs. So stay tuned. Here we are. We're back from the break. (laughs) We're back from the break. We're back. We're back from the moon. (laughs) Yeah. We're back from the moon. So we're going to be talking about moon signs now. You know, again, this is the moon episode. So moon signs, um, you know, I know we've already said it, but it's something that both of us really care deeply about and think that really affects a person greatly. And it's, I mean, I, I'll speak for myself. I don't want to just speak for you, but I'll give you, just you know, 10 seconds anyway. to say yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> I'll just say that, you know, to me, moon sign is just my favorite thing to find out about a person. Me too. I, I have, a, if I really like someone, I'll want to know their Venus and Mars because I want to know their weaknesses. But I, And I, Venus and Mars also love compatibility. Mm-hmm. But why, why the moon sign? The moon sign, because I will know, like, a person's real personality, you know, and I feel like I'll know their weaknesses, I'll know their vulnerabilities. Your moon sign, you know, it's kind of like thinking about someone's id, and it's what you're deeply, deeply attracted to. So if someone has a moon sign in Taurus, you know, even if they're in Aries, they're going to be deeply attracted to a Taurus. When they see, like, a Taurus walking around, it doesn't have to be romantic, they're Mm going to be like, oh, you know, that person is just, like, everything I am. 
am inside and can't show people. And, exactly. And for myself, you know, I have a Scorpio moon. So like my, you know, true love Drake, when I see Drake singing and doing all, you know, his stuff, I feel like that's my real personality. So I like have great respect for him because he's able to manifest the parts of myself I can't, you that's, know, in everyday that's life. That's exactly how I feel like when I see photos of Kurt Cobain mm. or like anything. Because, you know, my, my moon's in Pisces. Mm-hmm. He's a Pisces. He's kind of like a fuck it all Pisces. And that's like exactly the energy I want. Super emotional. But I love that you said it's everything that you feel but can't show. Mm-hmm. Presumably you do show it though, right? You might show it like in a personal relationship or you might show it when your defenses are down. But you do a lot to protect your moon sign. Your sun sign does a lot to like protect it. And how do people find out what their moon sign is? Yeah. So, you know, people can find out what their moon sign is the same way that they find out the rest of their chart. They just need to know, obviously, their birth date and their place where they were born and the time. And so when people, you know, ask you for information, get your birth chart, sometimes they'll say, oh, I need to know the time of your birth so I know your rising sign because, you know, your rising sign is kind of, you know, seemingly directly correlated to the time of your birth. But um, but actually you need it for the moon sign too because some days, you know, the moon will not change. So for like three days, the moon will be in Libra and then it wouldn't matter, you know, in a particular year. Right. So it's changing all the time. So if you're born on, you know, April 28th, 1967, this is not verified. I don't know if this is true, but maybe for the past four days, the moon's been in Libra. So it doesn't really matter if you knew you were born at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. But, you know, sometimes the moon shifts a lot. So you're going to want to know the the time of day. And astrologers can help you and see if the moon was changing that day. But it's good to find out what your birth time is. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, you know, we we sometimes run into people who don't believe in astrology. That's still a thing. You would think in 2019, you know, everybody would just be a believer, but we ha- we still encounter many skeptics or people that think we're stupid or crazy for believing in astrology. Yeah, which, you know, they think anyway <laughs> if you're a poet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, anyway, but really, moon signs are really helpful um, in kind of uh, painting a broader picture of astrology and its effects on a person because, you know, when a person just thinks of themselves just as their sun sign. Sometimes when they read about that sun sign, there are things that don't match up. But when they understand their moon sign, they can see the multifaceted picture of, you know, who they are and everything and, and you know, better understand. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think the moon signs like all of the things that you're so afraid to admit about yourself. So mm-hmm. often in public, when you talk about astrology or when you're with a friend, you're not exactly going to be identifying with things that you don't want to identify with. I mean, that's yeah. the thing on our Twitter. Sometimes we say some things like, you know, our followers will be like, oh, you're dragging Scorpios or you're dragging Taurus. It's like not really that. We're just sort of pointing out things the truth. that the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and and sometimes the truth, you just don't want to admit truth the truth. Hurts. Again, to quote Lizzo. Uh, again, yeah. to quote Lizzo. Lizzo <laughs> clearly is the poet we are thinking of a yeah. lot today. And Lizzo, if you're out there, we'd love to have you as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> it would be amazing. That could but be our people tourist. have said the truth hurts way before Lizzo. So Yeah, but let's forget about it. There's <laughs> everything's ahistorical and atemporal. <laughs> anyway. When I first met you, which was like a thousand years ago, one of the things that we talked a lot about was poetry, magic, the occult, and the moon always kept coming up. And I remember at one of those points, you were writing a book that you thought was going to be called The Moon Book. 
And I was sort of fascinated, again, because the moon is such a cliche for mm-hmm. us poets, um, which really doesn't make any sense to me. But why you were writing that book? Um, yeah, yeah. And it ended up being a book called Milk. But like I didn't, you know, I stopped calling the book the moon book. But there's so much moon imagery in that book. And I've always been interested, too, when I first started like my MFA program way back a million years ago as a student. You know, that was something that always was part of the discussion. Like, oh my gosh, you have a moon in your poem. You've got to get this out. You know, like, that's not really cool to be talking about as a poet. So I kind of wanted to, you know, be really irreverent to that idea. And so write a book that was just like really pro moon and just put it in people's face. And it ended up not totally being that, but. But that is what I did. Also, because the moon, you know, we associated obviously throughout, you know, different types of mythologies with femininity and um, maternal, you know, instincts or kind of, you know, cycles of of like the female and all that stuff can get sometimes cliche too when thinking about like a cult, you know practices or literature or whatever that that book's a lot about motherhood so I wanted to play on that also and the way that it connects to that yeah I'm glad you brought up the feminine energy around the moon and also obviously the moon rules cancer mm-hmm. and that's a sign that is deeply maternal yeah deeply maternal and has a deep deep feminine energy totally yeah. and all the male cancers out there I know you're probably not nodding your you. heads but you're loving this yeah and we love you too yeah So, you know, but we're talking about moon signs and their relationship to sun signs. And, you know, sometimes when we're together, we talk about how our moon signs are a bit of a burden to us because we have water moons, you know, your moon's in Pisces, my moon's in Scorpio, but we're fire signs. Right. So those, um, you know, elements are not always compatible. They're sometimes in conflict. No, Um, there's a lot of turmoil when you have two elements that are incompatible. Yeah, when it's inside. And there's all kinds of relationships to a person's moon and their sun sign that can be compatible and incompatible, just like two people of those signs can be compatible and incompatible. And that can create a conversation in a person which is either harmonious or discordant or somewhere in between, depending yeah. on the situation. But um, but for example, you know, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., he um, was a Capricorn with a Taurus moon. So his sun and moon were trined, meaning that they were the same element. They're both earth signs. They get along really well. And, of course, none of us in this room had the honor of knowing him. But, um, you know, probably there was kind of a conviction. We can see there was a conviction yeah, that totally. Taurus was pushing the Capricorn to do even, you know, greater things. Whereas, um, again... Well, there's a great stability and confidence to that combo, which he definitely exuded, at least publicly. Yeah. And a professionalism, which he definitely had. A rhetorical grace, which he definitely had. Exactly. So, like, that, you know, you can see the effect of that moon sign. But, but sometimes... Sometimes like a moon sign can be like us. It can be in an incompatible element. Mm -hmm. So like there can be some conflict. Other times a person can have a moon sign in their um, complementary like opposite sign. So um, that can be helpful, but it can also be hurtful. So for example... A Gemini sun and a Sagittarius moon. Even though we think of Geminis and Sagittarius as they basically get along, they're fun-loving people, they are opposites. So everything that a Sagittarius does is really the opposite of what a Gemini would do. So if they're in a power relationship, if you're a Gemini and you have a Sagittarius boss, there's going to be major conflict. Hey, that happened to me once. 
Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so th- think about that in a person. You know, that Gemini is doing something, and the Sagittarius is like wants to do something else, and that's going to cause a lot of conflicting emotions in yeah, the person, exactly. and, and their motivations are going to be, you know, kinked in a way. Not saying they're kinky, but kinked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, not saying. <laughs> As, as we get close to the end of our show, we're going to hear another poem about the moon. This poem is called Save Your Flowers by my co-host Dorothy Olasky. Save your congratulations and your flowers. My baby is sunbathing on the moon, and with the eternal blue light she glows in her clear house with shutters. Save your kind regards and visits with donuts and kisses. Save your little nothings that amount to nothing. Save it, save it, purple, green, and christened blue, the flowers dug deep from hell that you ring round my room. Another woman would have liked them anyway. Save your flowers and your missives. My skin is old and supple, but I am fair maiden only to my tiny vixen, milking and milking, blue note on blue. Save your sadness and your leads of love. Your love won't hold me like a goddess uncocooned. Ill repute, little babe of udders, stirring the inevitable, dancing, dancing, but not by myself anymore, wrapping and wrapping the skin on the moon. So save your chrysanthemums and lilacs, roses and tulips, save your winter buds and sun yellow weeds. I won't need them where I'm going, brave isolate unbecoming, praying only backwards, praying, praying on the moon. So yeah, uh, I I love that poem. And I wanted to talk a little bit about not only the moon, but your use of color in this poem. There's a lot of color in this poem. Like, there's a lot of color in all your poems. And also, people may not know this, but you dress very colorfully. Um, well, today you're wearing, like, black and red. Yeah. But um, what what's your relationship to color in, in your poems and also just, uh, like, in, in terms of the moon? Um, do you think of the moon as any color? Well, yeah, um, it's thank you for mentioning that. And, you know, I think um, this poem, I was really thinking of two Sylvia Plath poems um, and kind of fusing them together. Um, basically, my favorite poem of all time, but a poem that means a lot to me is her poem, The Moon and the Yew Tree. And in that poem, there's a lot of imagery of kind of the trees, but there's also like a blue blueness to this idea of the maternal and she references the Virgin Mary, but the moon is this. They It says, you know, she's bald and wild in Sylvia Plath's poem. Mm-hmm. So I think I was bringing like a lot of blue in. I'm not necessarily like a blue person, not like Maggie Nelson's bluets or whatever. I'm more of like a fire red person, but I was trying to bring that in into the poem. But related to red, I was also thinking of another poem by Sylvia Plath called Tulips. Love that poem. Yeah, and in that poem, the persona is in kind of a hospital setting. And, you know, if anyone who's ever been hospitalized before, you become so quickly just like an object. And so that persona narrates that this person that's like trying to forget who they are. And then somebody has brought them in these tulips. And in the poem, these tulips are really, really hurting the persona because they want to forget who they are and they just want to be dissolved into the great consciousness or whatever. But these tulips are reminding them that they're still alive, you know, and they represent 
then blood and the life force and all this stuff. And so, like, that red really, really hurts that persona. Yeah, I think I've read that way, actually. And it's yeah. interesting that you talk about blue as being associated with the moon. Mm-hmm. I also associate blue with the moon. Also, just... Uh, I don't associate warm tones with it. More just like cool mm-hmm. sort of tones. Obviously, there isn't one association. But it's interesting you mentioned Plath too because Ariel, which is Plath's last book, which is the book that we know her mm-hmm. for, she wrote that book. She said that she wrote it between sort of the hours of like three and five. And it's yeah. the time that like her babies were asleep, sort of the only few hours that she had where she could write. And I think of that like as like the blue hours, mm-hmm. you know, and like the moon is really present then. And also just the energy of three and five between three and five in the morning is really blue to me and also thinking of the occult you know a lot of people talk about if you have ghosts in your house or you're dealing with some spirits that they start to move around you know in your space around 9 p.m but it's really from midnight to 3 a.m is the period where you're going to have like a lot of um, activity if you have spirits in your house so it's interesting yeah bring up the three to five it's almost like this benevolent moon hour you know like if you were writing poems at 2 a.m you'd probably have maybe not as benevolent spirits influencing It's a very benevolent time frame that most of us aren't even awake for. And it's this idea that you're like kind of accessing a forgotten time that most of us are like sleeping and dreaming. So, you know, the subconscious of all these people sleeping is affecting you and you sort of getting an edge you know, over them by by accessing all this mental energy that you otherwise wouldn't be privy to because it would be doing other stuff. Totally. We're bringing back a segment um, called Alex and Dorothea Disagree, in which we, you know, we don't disagree on much, but when we disagree, it is a strong disagreement. And so we're going to bring in topics where you and I don't share the same opinion and kind of hash it out with people listening. So the topic today is the moon and specifically the moon landing. Um, And one of us believes in the moon landing and you know, the other doesn't. Um, I'm like looking this up now. There have been nine Apollo missions to the moon that have occurred between December 1968 and December 1972, the last time we were, you know, that we landed on the moon. And you don't think that we did? Well, I feel like it's oversimplifying to say I don't think that we did. I just have a heavy skepticism that, you know, what we were talking about earlier, like, you know, trusting the government is not something that I think, um, you know, a person, a thinking person should always do. Nothing even against our government. It's just, you know, when people are in power, sometimes they lie to you. And especially if they're trying to control, you know, large groups of people, they're going to have to lie. They're using rhetoric which in and of itself is not the truth that's very true but hold on hold on hold on you have a theory about how i mean we obviously have all seen the moon landing and that footage yeah. You, what is your theory about what that is? Well, I mean, I you know, I, I always took for granted that the moon landing happened, and why question it? Um, but at some point, I, um, you know, sort of got wind or got moon wind or whatever <laughs> of uh, um, the this movie. I, well, okay, I'll start by saying I love the movie The Shining. That's my favorite movie. And so anything that has to do with The Shining, I'm going to watch and, you know, find out about. And so there was like a documentary that came out, you know, a few years ago uh, that's 
it's called Room 237, and it's all about theories of The Shining and what, like, was influ- influencing Kubrick's choices. And one of those people that's, like, featured in the movie is Jay Widener, um, who has this theory that Kubrick um, in The Shining is sort of confessing the fact that he filmed the moon landing and that he, the government tasked him, you know, tasked him to, to do this. And so there's, like, a longer documentary called Kubrick's Odyssey. And after watching them, there was kind of a a compelling uh, instinct in myself to maybe not totally trust the the moon landing videos at the very least. And so, like, I know you haven't watched those, but if you saw... feel that if you looked into it and watched it, there's a lot of ideas about the aesthetic choices that we see in those um, videos. So, he, so the theory is that he's confessing to us, the viewer, mm-hmm. that he filmed the moon landing. I mean, in some ways, though, even if he did film the moon landing, I sort of think that the footage that we see of the moon landing also may be fabricated. But I do believe that we have that these missions have occurred, like that we've gone to the moon. I do think that there's there's the possibility, sure, um, that those were filmed in a studio or like by Kubrick or whatever. Exactly. Which is kind of a big deal. I mean, and when you start to look at them, the more ridiculous they seem. That's I guess that's how I feel as an aesthetic. What what makes you think that they're ridiculous? As an aesthetic person, you know, I feel like as aesthetic people and you know, when you talk about somebody having an eye, it means that they've like for a long time been trained to like look at things and see maybe underneath what's on the surface of things because they're used to creating things aesthetically and so they think about what went into it. Right. So I feel like, you know, looking at um some of those videos and some of the imagery, especially coupled with maybe things that might have heard in the documentary or whatever it's very hard to take them seriously as like representing a truthful thing there's like some part where they're like a rational being I feel as myself has a hard time believing that those videos are real and so I think it's it, there's something you know where the truth of it not being real is there for me and I can't go back well I think one of the things with those images is that they're so oversaturated we've seen them so many times they at some point And this is another great skill the U.S. government has. When you show people the same thing over and over again, at some point they will believe they will stop. They will stop questioning whether it's real. They'll believe that it's there. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that's happened with the moon landing, which I do think happened. But I do agree with you because there is, again, like we talked about earlier in the episode, the moon is mysterious. Mm -hmm. The moon is the unknown. The moon represents all of our sort of existential anxiety, or at least for us, whether it's whether we've been to the moon or not, whether the moon is real or not. When we look at the moon, you know, if, if you are being honest with yourself like it's just the marker that we know nothing Mm -hmm. and i think the interesting thing is that at that point in 1969 and also in the following missions the the u.s government had so much anxiety about who we were and what we were doing and if we could hold on to our power that they literally took this thing and put it in front of us and in our living rooms and we're like look we have conquered 
the unknown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, uh, there's so much that it's hard for us to understand as humans, but I think because neither one of us have ever been to the moon, it is this abstracted idea that we see in imagery or people writing about, and now more and more the astronauts are passing away, so they're not even around. I think it would probably take me going to the moon, which I don't know that I would ever actually agree to do in this lifetime, to actually believe that we can go to the moon. Well, in some ways, you're going to the moon every time you write a poem. Exactly, yeah. No, I already can access it, so I won't have to take the spaceship. We've been to the moon many times. And I am just going to say I'm not sure. I <laughs> know. I mean, me and you, oh, like yes, creatively. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. I don't know where We've you're going, but I'm definitely not on Earth most most of the time. I feel like I'm on Earth. I I feel really. I feel that Earth is really important. To I'm my definitely poetry. not on Earth, but. <laughs> So I think that we've said a lot about the moon, not that we said everything that we feel about it. That's impossible. But I think we're out of time and we are going to catch you next time on the next episode. Um, So that's it for now. Yes, and um, just to let remind everyone, this podcast is co-hosted by me, Dorothy Alasky. And me, Alex Dimitrov. And it's produced by our goddess, Becky Celestina. <laughs> also in Aries, like Dottie. Um, if you like our podcast, subscribe and rate us on your podcast app. Obviously, rate us, like, really high. Yeah, anything less than five stars is kind of not acceptable. Exactly. So you, know. you can um, also call in. Yeah, call us and leave a voicemail message and you can call 646-397-7573 and we may play your recording on a future episode. And also our um, our book is coming out in October, so make sure to pre-order it. It's called Astro Poets, Your Guides to the Zodiac. Um, there's going to be a link in the show notes. Um, it's out on October 29th and you can also find out more about it at astropoetsbook.com. So please remember also to follow us on Twitter at at Poet Astrologers. For more information about Macmillan's other shows, go to MacmillanPodcast.com. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N Podcast.com. So thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.